Blog Talk Radio. Live Your Potential, where we invite guest experts to speak on a variety of trending topics that matter to you. I'm Justine Alawalia, your host, and I want to warmly welcome you to our show this evening. I know everyone's crazy busy these days and appreciate you investing your valuable time in joining us this evening. To give you a lay of the land, our guest speaker and I will be discussing his insights for about 15 to 20 minutes. And I'd like to give everyone a heads up that after, uh, after the discussion between our guest speaker and myself, you will have the opportunity to ask him any questions which you may have. So with that said, let's jump in. Today's guest speaker is Rajiv Satyal, a stand-up comedian. He's a University of Cincinnati engineer and former P&G marketer who has his own show at the Hollywood Laugh Factory every Wednesday at 8 and performs regularly at all the major comedy clubs in L.A. He co-founded the world touring Make Chai Not War, a stand-up show that traversed seven Indian cities in 2012, sponsored by the U.S. State Department. Rajiv has garnered 3 million-plus YouTube views, performed on three continents, and has been featured on NBC, NPR, Nickelodeon, FX, Netflix, and Pandora, as well as in the Wall Street Journal, Advertising Age, The Huffington Post, India Abroad, and the L.A. Times. Rajiv wrote a 95-minute one-person show, No Man's Land, which sold out all six performances from L.A. to New York to San Francisco to Cincinnati. Rajiv has toured with Dave Chappelle, Tim Allen, Kevin Nealon, and Russell Peters. Rajiv named his alma mater's online radio show, Bearcast, launched, managed, uh, launched and managed the Miss India America's career, and has spoken to audiences from Fortune 50 companies to NFL players on innovation, diversity, and personal branding. He runs a consulting business called The Standpoint Agency, which helps marketers generate insights for their brands. Welcome to the show, Rajiv. Thank you for having me on. I had no idea my bio read that long. <laughs> ah, it's impressive. I think it's completely oh. impressive, and it's interesting for our audience to see. I think you know the diversity of your experience here um, really gives a flavor. So, tell us about your path to becoming a stand-up comedian. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, it's great to reconnect with you. I know that we had uh, both participated in NetIT on a couple of occasions, and uh, actually we're on the same panel, so it's great to uh, reconnect with you. I know this is going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, the path uh, from engineer to entertainer has been uh, has been a fun one. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, my parents are still there. I have two brothers who are now both in New York City, and I got a degree in engineering from the University of Cincinnati, and then I worked at Procter & Gamble for six years. I turned 30. I flipped out that I was in Ohio, in Ohio for three decades without leaving, and then I moved to Los Angeles. I was brand manager at CG Water for 12 weeks. 
I jumped ship, and I've been doing stand-up comedy for 12 years total, eight years full-time. Wow. So tell us a little bit more about the the jumping and then where you are today. I know our, our listeners will be fascinated by this. So tell us about leaving your, uh, your cor- corporate job and, um, you know, getting on stage and, and, and um, doing your comedy. Tell us a little bit more about that. I know from that panel you've got some fascinating stuff. So share Sure. No, thank you very much. Yeah, I just I, I did a panel at NetIP in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. actually it was just me this time. And it was funny because I kind of went through all this advice and all that, and then I forgot to give them the up top thing that I gave you. It, it was sort of like, yeah, but who are you? <laughs> what did you tell? Like, how did you get here? So I wanted to make sure, sure I didn't make that same mistake. But at any rate, um, well, I mean, I think the first thing I did, there, there are a few inflection points. I mean, uh, and, okay. and they're illustrated through the questions that I get from people a lot, which are, when did you realize you were funny? When did you realize you wanted to be a stand-up comic, get into it? And then when did you, you know, make the leap into full time? So it mm-hmm. seems like those are sort of the four questions uh, that I get a lot. And um, I realized I was funny when I was nine in third grade. And uh, I wanted to do stand-up. Um, really only a couple of weeks before I did it, um, my brother found an article in the local paper and it was called the funniest person in Cincinnati contest. And I entered it, I made the semifinals and the next year I won it. And I didn't really know that I wanted to be a stand-up comic, even while I was doing it on the side four years in Cincinnati, a lot of my friends were like, oh, are you going to do that for a job? And I was like, no, like that's not a good job I do. I, I didn't really, uh, really think of it that way it was just sort of an on the side passion of mine and all that good stuff so I did that and then finally when I was 30 I moved to Los Angeles and then I um I made the leap into full time um really only a few weeks after I got here so that was the deal well now it's more and it's so interesting you say that you know initially you didn't think of it as a career you know you did it didn't even um come to mind that this might be what i could be doing full time and now it's as more indian americans are are pursuing artistic fields for a living they really are putting themselves on that path what guidance um might you have for them as to how to maintain a steady income stream while being on that path any any well, tips for um yeah aspiring yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, having done it and, and, and the fact that I'm doing it now, I think it, it's getting easier now. Uh, it, it, it's not easy, but it's easier now because, you know, when someone like Russell Peters went into it, and obviously he's from Canada, but uh, he went into it in 1989. I mean, you could imagine the guts it must have taken for him to talk to his parents about being a stand-up comic in 1989. And uh, yeah. when he released his uh, special when he's in the white shirt and the one that really went viral and put him on the map in 0405, he had been doing stand-up for 14 years at that point. And uh, I don't think people, a lot of people realize that. I think a lot of people, comedians especially, or even actors, like, oh, you're just a natural. You just get up there and do it. It's like, no, yeah. it's uh, like they say, you know, it, uh, overnight success after 14 years or overnight success after 30 years. Like, all of a sudden, sure. you're like, oh, where did this person come from? It's like, no, 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 I've been here. You guys just got here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the company grinding uh, for, uh-huh. for, for years. Where have you so, been? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's about time you guys showed up. So, you know, by the time he did it uh, and, and really blew up, he had been doing it quite a while. Now, I've been doing it 12, and he had been doing it 14. So, you know, he macheted through the forest. I mean, there was nothing there. There was no path. And 
you know, after yeah. he did it and then some of the, you know, some of my contemporaries came along as well. We, we had it a little easier. It's not easy, but a little easier. And now the stand-up centering the game, I feel like they can think about it in terms of a career and there's certain, you know, sort of notches on the belt that you can sort of gain to, to track your, your progress. Okay, how interesting. Now, I agree in terms of uh, carving the path. Um, now, you said you've been doing it for 12 years. Is that right? Did I, um, yeah. did I get that? Yeah. Okay, tell us, you know, along that path of 12 years, and I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's very helpful you had mentioned the notches and the valves that you get along the way. Um, tell us about a couple of those notches in terms of some milestones in your, um, in your journey for the last 12 years. Sure, and I'll, I'll relate it back to your first question as well, which was, you know, how do you maintain a steady income? And uh, yeah. I think it's very important to understand, right, understand your risk profile. It's kind of like investing. I mean, you know, you got your aggressive investors and you got your conservative investors, and you take, mm-hmm. you know, 120 minus your age, and that's how much you should have in stocks, and otherwise you've got to be diversified with all that. So there's always the people, and, the, and that number changes depending on how risky you want to be. So if you are someone yeah. who, you know, I, I remember working at Procter & Gamble, and I uh, – at the time, my, my second position there of three was managing uh, and co-leading branded entertainment strategy for all brands in North America. And so I used to speak to this guy who was out here in L.A. at the time and, and still is, and he was my liaison at CAA, Creative Artists Agency, the largest talent firm, firm in the world. And so we forged this professional and personal you know, uh, working relationship and friendship. And uh, I remember talking to him for an hour a day on the phone and you know, uh, he became a mentor of mine, and I said something about how I was this wild and crazy guy, you know, like I'm Steve Martin or something. And I remember uh, <laughs> what he said to me. He just goes, oh, yeah, 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 six years at Procter & Gamble, 30 years in Ohio. You're really wild and crazy. <laughs> and uh, I was speechless for one of the few times in my life, and I go, man, what do you mean by that? He goes, listen, she goes, like, either you can um, admit that your values are security and stability, and then do exactly mm-hmm. what you're doing. Live in Ohio, buy a house, settle down, and work a job where the path is very well defined. Or you can say you're a wild and crazy guy, but then do something wild and crazy, like move to L.A. and be a stand-up comedian. That would be wild and crazy. I'm not telling you to do that, but you are going to be in conflict with yourself as long as you don't embrace whatever values you really truly have. So I feel like you, one has to sit down and go, how much risk am I willing to take on? How much money in the bank do I need? Am I okay without a steady paycheck? Because wherever you are, that's your world. And when I was at Procter & Gamble, that was the world. Like, I could never imagine, like, that there was anything outside of it. And, of course, when you step out, you go, oh, there's a whole other world out here. And it just yeah. kind of unfolds from there. Oh, that is very interesting. And that was a, that was a mentor in corporate. Did you, that was a mentor that you had um, in your corporate life. You actually noticed that. Is that, did I get that right? Or? Say that one more time. That was a mentor you had in your corporate life then who had, who had you know, had that insight and kind of yeah, – there, there, there was a mentor from your corporate life who pointed that out. Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's, that's okay. definitely okay. right. Definitely right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. But he was out here in L.A. working in entertainment, but then, you know, on the corporate side of it. So he straddled both worlds of corporate and, and entertainment. And so, yeah, his, his advice is particularly salient. Oh, okay. So that's it. So now, was there a point in, in a, you know, probably maybe at the beginning or at some point in those 12 years that you – so you question your career choice, and then another point where you said, "Wow, you know, this is it. Like, I'm not going back to corporate, or I'm not, you know, I this is this is it for the long term." Was there any uh, points at which you were kind of second guessing, or no, kind of full speed ahead once you made that decision? 
I would say generally it's full speed ahead. There are a couple of things okay. in there. One, one is that in, that happened in 2011. 2011, I realized after I'd been doing it full time for at that point five years, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Like I, I may not become Russell Peters or Aziz Ansari, but I am going to be okay. And that's what a lot of people mm-hmm. make the mistake with entertainment. They think they dichotomize it. They go, either, you either make it or you don't. You're either, you know, mm-hmm. uh, huge or you're nothing. And it's like, that's not true. It's a profession like anything else. And this is the non-sexy side of it that people don't want to discuss it. They're like, no, it's, it's life, it's, it's glamorous and it's fame and it's all that and all those things. It's like, well, no, you, there are a lot of stand-up comics out there walking around that make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 a year, but you've never heard of them. They work corporations, they work colleges, they do private gigs, whatever they are. Maybe they're folding balloons at parties. I don't know what they're doing, but so some of those guys uh-huh. are very, very well paid. And uh, I yeah. do some of that work as well. I don't fold balloons, but I, that sort of thing. And um, it was, uh, it, you can definitely kind of make it to the middle, do very well for yourself, but maybe you just won't attain that level of fame, and, and that's okay. So in 2011, I was like, you know what? I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this forever. And in 2012, I, I started to make the kind of money where I was like, yeah, I'm good. 2011, I knew I would be okay. 2012, I actually was okay. And uh, it's kind of unfolded from there. And I, uh, in 2013, uh, I think it was 2013. That sounds about right. November of 2012 or 13. I'm not doing my math right. I'm being a bad Indian. But it figured, I, figured, <laughs> I figured out the date uh, that this became my longest job because I was at Procter & Gamble for six years. And so it was something okay. like 2012 or something where I'm like, oh, this is now my longest job. And uh, I'm doing this. So. Oh, interesting. There's a tipping point. So now what, um, what tips do you have for utilizing your network effectively? If, if one decides this is the route they want to go, they want to pursue their passion with an artistic field, um, what advice do you have for them for utilizing the network they already have to further their career and, um, you know, without coming off as, as desperate? Any thoughts in that regard? Yes, uh, striking that tone is is very important. I send out a newsletter every month, and the newsletter tone has always been from the beginning that it it showcases what I'm doing. It uh, puts my stuff out there, and the idea is to strike a tone that goes, this guy is doing well, but maybe with my help he could do better. And I think that's generally the tone you want to take with anything. I mean, even when you apply to grad school or business school or whatever, isn't that kind of what you're saying? Hey, I'm doing all these things without Harvard or without Stanford or without USC, but with you, the two of us together, imagine what we could do. So I think that's the tone that you really want to strike. Hey, these are the things I'm doing for myself, but I need a little bit of this now, and then I can get to this next level. So I think be very specific with people as to what exactly you want. Furthermore, uh, we all have a network. And when I got to Los Angeles, uh, what I did is in my other cities of Cincinnati, New York, et cetera, everybody has a friend in L.A. I go, hey, do you mind putting me in touch? Uh, mm-hmm. Work in the email intro. Can you do sort of a, an email intro so that I can meet your friends who are in L.A.? And they did that. So by the time I got here, uh, you know, it was friends of friends, but I had some place to get started. And so luckily in L.A. and New York, where, where the entertainment industry is primarily is in this country, most people have a friend there. Even if the person doesn't work in entertainment, that person then probably knows somebody who is. So I think it's using those two, three degrees of, of uh, connection, that especially in, in, in uh, the Indian slash South Asian community. My gosh, I mean, you know, six degrees for the world, but I feel like Indian Americans, uh, I mean, probably two degrees, maybe three at most, uh, we're all pretty well connected. <laughs> so don't, don't, uh, don't feel bad in, in, using, in terms of using that. I think also then, 
the biggest mistake I think people make is they make that initial outreach, but they don't close the loop with the person who made the introduction. So that's a big thing. Like, you know, after you meet with the person who your friend recommended, go back to your friend and be like, hey, you know what, we met and, it, it, and you know, this happened or whatever else and close the loop and, and talk to people when you don't need something. And uh, that gets harder as you get busier. But, you know, I think closing the loop and staying in, t- with the, in touch with people when you don't need something is going to build those relationships more when you, if you do it when you just do. Oh, I think that's a great point. And terms of the couple, a couple of things you named, the, um, the closing the loop, and like you said, when you don't need something, remaining in touch, and then this being specific about what you want. You know, I think that just really does help people kind of think through in their head, oh, my gosh, maybe I do know someone in a way that kind of generally saying, hey, do you know anyone who can help? Kind of people are like, well, think about it. I don't know. But being specific really jogs people's, you know, minds. And, um, and I love it. You don't have to kind of narrow yourself to, well, who do I know who works in the entertainment industry? Because like you said, there's so many touch points. Someone could be, like, you know, in corporate and their friends and their colleague and their girlfriends and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I love, I love those points. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your insights with our listeners, Rajiv. Any, I want to give me last thoughts or – you know, take-home message that you'd like to share with our listeners before we jump into the Q&A and let them have a chance to ask you some questions. I do a lot of personal branding work with people, and, you know, it's something that it kind of is in the comedy space but doesn't necessarily have to be. And so I've got a series of questions and points for people to think about and all that sort of stuff way too broad to cover here. But one of the, uh, one of the things to think about to start, to start with is to figure out what you are. I think that's a big question, like to go, what am I? And, you know, that's, that's a big thing. Like, are you a comedian? Are you an actor? Are you an engineer? Are you a marketer? Are you a politician? And, and you know, there are a couple quotes about that. You know, you, you can be there, – there's a quote that says, you can be anything, but you can't be everything, which I love. And, it's, there's, and mm-hmm. there's one that's even more empowering – or actually empowering, which is you can be everything, uh, just not everything all at once. And so you could have these different phases of your life where maybe you're a businessman and then you're an entertainer, then you're a politician. A lot of people have done that. Arnold Schwarzenegger did that, that sort of thing, whatever. So I think realizing that you mm-hmm. don't have to do it all at once, um, and, but working on getting something, defining yourself and defining yourself to things, through things that you do, tangible accomplishments that you can hang on your wall or put on a resume and point to it and go, I did that, instead of going, well, I'm a comedian. Well, guess what? Comedians tell jokes. Well, I'm a writer. Well, writers write, and they write every day. If you're not writing every day, you're probably not a writer because we're compelled to do it. And it's an important thing to do, you know. So I think, again, pointing to the tangible accomplishments and actually doing something about it, even if it's small, even if it's a very small thing, doing one small thing is better than thinking ten things that don't get done. Ah, I love it. Planning to do the ten things, but just getting it done. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I want to give everyone a chance to to ask uh, your questions. So, uh, everyone, now's your chance to ask Wizzy of any questions you might have. And I'd like to remind you, if you have a question, please go ahead and press 1, and we'll take your question. All right, guys, don't be shy. Here we go. First question from area code 847, last four digits are 8094. Welcome. Hi, Rajiv. This is Ritsu. I just want to say thanks for joining. Um, really appreciate having you on. Um, I might have jumped the gun and hit one early because I want to ask you, um, and just to let everyone know I'm president of NetX North America, I wanted to thank you for your participation with NetX the past few years. Um, 
but how does it feel that Amitha Bachchan knows your name and loves your recent video? Thank you so much, Ritu. I appreciate you bringing that up. And Ritu has been such a supporter of mine. We've worked together for the last few years and on these NetIT conferences and all that. And you, you were there the entire uh, time I gave the speech. It was really uh, lovely to have you there in the room and all that stuff. I really appreciate that. Uh, the fact that Abhishek Bachchan, that Amita Bachchan's son, retweeted my video to 4.7 million people was kind of mind-blowing. And it's funny, when I was talking about closing the loop, I got a comment from a friend who was like, oh, you didn't thank the person who told you about this. And I, so what I was telling you about closing the loop, I was actually thinking <laughs> about my friend Priya Bunsel, who now gets the message on the radio. So that's more than makes up for it. That's even bigger than, than a Facebook comment, I feel like. So she had actually done that, and I didn't close the loop with her. But the idea now is that I have. And uh, it's an amazing feeling. I mean, you know, you make something, and uh, in entertainment, I was just writing about this uh, in a blog post, but, you know, you, we get really caught up in, hey, I'll make this, and maybe it'll lead to this, and it'll lead to that, or whatever. But, you know, you can't do that. You just have to create something you wish existed and then make it. And that video uh, got tweeted by Abhishek Bachchan. Uh, Lalit Modi, the founder of the Indian Premier League, the biggest cricket league in the world, flew me out to Istanbul last week to do a gig. Uh, that happened, and that's the result of that video, and it's totally, totally crazy, and it's just been surreal uh, is the word I would use to describe it, but I'm, I'm so lucky, and I couldn't have done it without the support of the Indian community, and I guess I should say South Asian community, but the video is about being Indian, so. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let us, okay, hold on one second. We had another question, and they disappeared. So we're going to give that caller another chance. And um, for the listeners who haven't had a, uh, a chance to see the video, the very few, I guess, 4.7 million views. So the very few listeners who haven't seen the video, tell us a little bit more about that while we're waiting for that, uh, that question. Sure. Well, actually, it's funny because he tweeted it to that many. The video right now is approaching 300,000 views on YouTube, but that doesn't include uh, Facebook where – a couple of uh, people uploaded it to Facebook, and each of those, last time I looked, which was a couple of weeks ago now, but it, it, each of those had like 70,000 shares. It wasn't just likes or comments, it was shares. And then uh, it was traveling wow. on WhatsApp as well. And so I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging, but this isn't the thing. I, I feel like I'm not because this isn't my video. This is our video. This is a video about being Indian. And this is a video that's resonated with a lot of people. And, you know, I had a director, I had a, an editor, and a cinematographer, and we all banded together to do this. So... I, I don't feel like, you know, I'm bragging on myself. It's, it's more saying look at, uh, look at our network. And we were talking about networks. That's the power of the network. I mean, look just, just in that community how many views and shares and likes and comments we can all get if we just stand together, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. Here we have uh, another question here, and this question is from 201. The last four digits here are 6222. Uh, welcome, caller. Hi, Jasmina, thank you, and Rajiv, thank you very much for, for doing this interview uh, with Matt. It's very informative. Uh, what I definitely would like to ask you is, is you are up there plenty of time speaking to hundreds, maybe sometimes even thousands of people. Uh, what are some of the public speaking skills you have honed over the years that you can share with us uh, for those who speak at different uh, occasions? That's a great question. It's a very common question I get, and it's a, it's a phenomenal one. The biggest thing I think I've heard that was very helpful to me early was when I was giving the commencement address in high school, actually. So this is before I was doing stand-up. But I remember uh, the person who was coaching me, she was my English teacher, Mrs. Wilson, but she was also a speech teacher. 
And she asked me this question because I was giving a speech and there were about two or 3,000 people in the hall. And she goes, how many people have a copy of your speech? And I said, nobody, I'm the only one. And she goes, that's right. They're only going to know you messed up if you let them know. I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. You're right. So she's like, stand there with confidence, and it's always going faster than you think. So I've heard this advice elsewhere, which is if you think you're going too slow, slow down. And I, that's, I didn't say that wrong. I don't mean if you're going too fast. If you think you're going too slow, slow down. Have you ever seen a speech where the person publicly was speaking too slowly? I've never seen that. I've heard boring speakers. I've heard people who went on too long. But I've never complained about the pace of the, of the speech. I've always been like, you know what, there's, there's, uh, this person could go fast and, and because he, he or she is nervous. Take a minute, realize that it's not moving as fast as, as fast as you think it is, and you have a little bit more time. Take a deep breath, slow down, and enunciate and hit your points and realize no one's got a copy of your speech. Thank you, Rajiv. Awesome. I love that. No one's got a copy that's of your speech. Perfect. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, thanks, um, thanks. And it looks like we hit our questions. So thank you so much for taking our list of questions, Rajiv. And I'm wondering, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would love to contact you in the future. What's the best way for them to do that? The best way is at Funny Indian. I'm at Funny Indian on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, etc. They can also go to my website, uh, funnyindian.com. Does redirect to rajivsatyal.com, which is just my name, so rajivsatyal.com. Uh, send me an email. Uh, that's probably the best thing. I uh, can be pretty slow, speaking of slow and fast in terms of responding, but I eventually get back to everybody, and I will eventually get back to you. Uh, you know, my let's see if we get more emails than phone calls. But I, I think uh, I'm uh, always always happy to. Uh, to follow up with people and, and respond to them. And, and that's because the people, you know, have helped me, uh, Russell Peters, Kevin Neal, and uh, the different people who are in the game. They've always had time to talk to me and give comedians advice. And, you know, not just comedians, actors, and everyone else. So, uh, you know, just want to pay it forward. Thank you so much. And thanks for your generous offer in that regard as well. Everyone, in case you joined us late, I would like to share this show with people in your life. I'd like to remind you that a recording of today's radio show will be sent out. I appreciate you hanging out with us, and make sure to join us for next month's show. Good night, everyone.